It's Tuesday, September 14th, 2021, and this is the Talk Film Society podcast. I'm your host, Marcelo Pico, Editor-in-Chief of Talk Film Society. I'm here to introduce episode 92 of the podcast. Again, another great episode, if you ask me. Uh, two segments on this show. On the first segment, you'll get to hear me and my guest, uh, Rachel Housechild, uh, talk about Telluride uh, Film Festival 2021. Uh, we go through the 10 movies she saw there, um, including Spencer, Belfast, Come On, Come On, uh, and The Power of the Dog. And a lot more. Ten in total. Yeah, I said that. Um, great talking with her. Um, I think I mentioned this on the segment. Uh, it's been two years since I last talked to her about Telluride. Because um, Telluride Film Festival, if you didn't know, was like a, it's, it's a big deal. And uh, I'm excited each time I talk to her, period. But um, last time we talked about Telluride, that was a great talk about a, fil- a film fest I've always wanted to go to. And maybe I'll go to one day. But it's great talking to her about it and her experience with it. Yeah, she went in 2019. Now she's back in 2021. Um, but yeah, that's the first hour of the show. I clocked it in. Um, and then the next... 40 minutes after that, in the second segment, uh, I get to talk to Greg Mucci about the new film, Malignant. Yes, it's the new film by James Wan. Um, this one, I, I do mention it on the recording, uh, on the on this segment. I was eager to get this out right away um and uh, because it's 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 been a very very popular twitter favorite already um either people love it or hate it and i just needed somebody to talk to about it and i got greg to talk to me about that movie malignant um i'm not gonna spoil anything here obviously about say with that segment the first 20 minutes of that talk uh, no spoilers in the last 20 minutes. Spoilers. And I do give a warning uh, halfway through that segment. So just be warned. But don't worry. Uh, if you have no idea what Malignant is, good. You're, you're, you're doing well. But if you want to hear us talk about Malignant um, in, in, uh, in, in, in spoiler depth, then uh, skip ahead to that segment and then the last 20 minutes, which we'll, we'll spoil it, we'll talk about it, and we'll, we'll talk about what made us go, what the fuck. Because um, that movie, I, that's all I'll say about Malignant. What the fuck? Uh, but in a good way. And you hear me and Greg talk about it. But first, yeah, Rachel and Tell Your Ride. Yeah, but that's it. Uh, two great segments. Uh, oh, plugs, I guess. Uh, follow Talk Film Society on Twitter at TalkFilmSoc. Uh, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash TalkFilmSociety. Um, thank you if you are a patron there it helps us out a lot helps us pay the bills helps keep the show this show and other shows up on talk from society um and yeah i i earlier today i i uh carved out some time to finish editing an episode of a future uh of an of, an, of the next season of another podcast on the network i won't say what it is yet but um I'm excited to get that out there. So, yeah, uh, in order to get that out there for people, uh, support us. Uh, throw down a buck uh, over at the Patreon. But that's enough of me, really. Oh, you know what? I'll Hey, I'm going to keep this segment going. I have a movie recommendation 
movies coming out this weekend as of this recording uh, when this episode drops in, in in a few days on the 17th uh, cop shop is out uh, I believe in theaters um, hopefully it'll be on VOD soon enough it's the new uh, Joe uh, Carnahan film starring Gerard Butler Frank Grillo um, it's very good I got a chance to see it uh, last week at a special screening and I uh, I came in with um, I guess medium expectations I mean uh, Butler and, and, and Carnahan Grillo I love the names, um, but I was like, "What? What exactly is this going to be?" But yeah, it's it's very good. If you enjoy uh, Carnahan's movies, if you enjoy the the uh, greasy yet uh, uh, totally uh, engrossing uh, character actor Gerard Butler, then you're gonna love this movie. You're gonna love Cop Shop because um, I very much enjoyed it. I, I've been thinking about it more and more in the last week since I've seen it, and uh, yeah, I might give it, I might go to see it again. It's that It's that good. So that's my pick of the week is Cop Shop. Um, I don't think I'm ever gonna get a chance to talk about it fully on the show. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, that's enough of me. Um, that's enough of that film talk. Now enjoy an hour and 40 minutes of more film talk. First hour, me and Rachel discussing her experience at Telluride uh, 2021. Then the next segment, the last 40 minutes, uh, me and Greg discussing James Wan's Malignant uh, with spoilers uh, in the last half of that segment. So that's it for me. Now enjoy me and the rest of the episode. Rachel, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, all things considered. Uh, uh, <laughs> nice, nice Sunday morning. Oh, it's not morning. It's 1.30 in the afternoon. Um, it's afternoon. Football's yeah. back. I'm Football's excited. Back. Uh, I'm glad you're excited <laughs> for that, for football. <laughs> and I don't want to keep you away from the football. Uh, oh, you're fine. No. Uh, uh, we're, gonna, we're, we're talking, in case anybody is jumping into this, skipping over my intro, which I don't blame anybody for skipping my intro, because it's, it's becoming very much like Mark Marin. And I tend to skip Mark Marin's intros on the WTF podcast. So <laughs> I don't blame anybody for skipping ahead, me rambling on for five minutes to this. Um, we're talking Telluride Film Festival 2021. Uh, yes, yes. Um, and I had to check before we recorded. Um, uh, when was the last time I talked to Rachel about Telluride? It was two years ago, 2019. Um, yeah. yeah, so do you... <sighs> I mean, 2019, this time, uh, uh, two years ago, um, a different time, right? Right, Rachel? <laughs> time of the past. <laughs> time of the past. Uh, and looking it up now, I see back in that episode, it was episode 68 of the podcast, of the Gosh. Talk From Society podcast. Uh, this is episode 92. So, oh, yeah, my Lord. It's been a while. Um, and on, I, I wanted to... To, to quickly just a quick recap of some of the movies we talked about on that show Parasite uh, Ford vs. Ferrari A Hidden Life and Uncut Gems uh, what a time uh, that was two years ago wow yeah. man yeah 
see so, how far those have come since then too. Jeez. I know. So now let's jump to two years. Uh, let's jump two years to present day. Um, and a lot's happened in those two years. Uh, Rachel, talk about your overall experience uh, with this year's uh, Telluride Film Festival. Well, this year's Telluride was very... Um, the lineup, at least, I felt was very U.S. dominant. And it might be an issue because of the pandemic. They couldn't get certain movies, yada, yada. It's a very small festival. Um, and they amped up the security and safety for their audience and their pass holders and even guests. Um, You had to have the double vaccinated um, and then you had to have your card with you. You had to upload it to get your pass. Um, You needed a negative COVID test within the first 72 hours of the festival and you had to wear a mask the entire time. So they had COVID tests on site and you couldn't pick up your pass until you had a negative COVID test. Um, so we did that. We waited, whew, we waited two hours to get a test done. It was crazy. Um, and then I believe from what I heard, everyone that was doing events, like any celebrities, directors, anybody in the event circuit had to have a test done every day. <clears throat> so that was their big security. And I actually kind of enjoyed that because I did feel extremely safe there. And half of the audience actually showed because of the pandemic and the variant. Um, so a lot of people backed out. They just were not feeling up to the travel, which I completely understand. Um, so the audience was base. I would say maybe half of what it usually is. It just felt very thin this year. But I got to we got to get into everything we wanted to see um, with ease, so that was the really good part of it. But everything else was really great, and they introduced me to some great snacks there. And I will tell you, popcorn and soy sauce is a very what? great combination. What? <laughs> you just blew my mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, I'm it's, telling you, it's it? a wild combination, but it is so good. Um, two things I love I never thought uh, would, would, would be great together so I will give that a shot <laughs> um, I, I'm sure I mentioned this in the in the intro but I'll just reiterate uh, Telluride takes place uh, in uh, Telluride, Colorado oh, I mean yep. it's, it's right there in the title uh, it took, <laughs> took place uh, September 2nd to September 6th of, of this um, last yeah. year uh, what, uh, how many times have you been to Telluride, Rachel? this is my third time um, the first time I went, I, n- I didn't get a pass because I was dumb and I didn't understand how the festival works. So I ended up having to like buy a ticket to each movie, which worked out. It's just you have to wait a lot longer. Um, I did the pass two years ago with a press pass, and then they really did some press dirty this year. So I did not get the press pass because of something on their end that they messed up royally, but um, was able to go... Um, even through a pandemic, which was scary, but it all worked out. Yeah, it. I've been hearing a lot of that about film festivals um, doing the press dirty, and um, yeah, I wasn't happy about it. I contacted the guy and everything. He's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. Our last communication was this, but we just assumed." I was like, "There's your problem." Um, <laughs> they assumed that the press wasn't going to come, so they decided not to reach out to everybody. Um, so I was a little perturbed by that's, that. That's so. that's wild. Um, yes. Wow. Okay. And I understand because like they don't cater to press like other festivals like you still right. need to buy a pass in order to go which is understandable for them as well because they are a small 
small, tiny little festival, but um, it would have been nice to actually get an email and have some communication rather than how it was handled. Right, right. Um, uh, I do want to have somebody on to talk about uh, Toronto uh, International Film Festival because I... Oh, that's a fun one. <laughs> I, I haven't... I've uh, <laughs> The two years I've been thinking about going were not the best because last year... Before everything happened, I wanted to go, yeah. and of course I couldn't go. This year, I'm like, maybe I should go to this time, and then things weren't great uh, again. <laughs> uh, so hopefully yeah. in the future I'll go. But yeah, it's fun. I went many moons ago. Um, oh yeah, it's, nice. a, it's a fun festival. I went for like, gosh, when back when like Tumblr, pr- Tumblr prior to Twitter, uh, you meet friends, and I went up there for three or four years in a row. I met oh. with a friend online. Um, nice. Her name is Lynx, and she is just wonderful and showed me around all Toronto every year. So it's oh. great. It's a fun festival. Nice. Yeah. Um, it's the, I know right now they're doing and, and as we're recording it's happening you know the tiff is happening um, yes. they're doing a mix of like digital and in person um, uh, was tell you ride just in person or was there a digital aspect to it um, it is fully in person I don't think they have the infrastructure to do digital or right. virtual quite yet um, so I think their first and foremost issue was trying to make sure that the festival went in you know well instead of trying to cater to everybody it would be great if they did a virtual I think it would be wonderful it's also really interesting because Telluride doesn't release their films until the day before the festival so I don't know if that would mess up anything for digital, for press, for, you know, anybody. I'm not too sure, but they run their festival just a little different than all others. Yeah, it's it's one because th- like uh, they've been doing this for a while. Tell you right, and yeah. they they've gotten the reputation of like a like uh, one of the top tier festivals, and it's because of just how small they are. The yeah. their that re- that uh, that way they released that the list of films like what the day before right uh, is, mm-hmm. is everything we've yeah. mentioned and uh, I don't yeah I can see why uh, they would say you know let's not focus on digital let's make this as close to what it is uh, with, yeah. w- with with a small scale as uh, as they are and yeah. but I've seen you know uh, the F- uh, Fantastic Fest and um, Fantasia Fest and now TIFF like sort of like try to do digital and mostly succeeding so I'm happy about that but yeah, yeah. Uh, who knows what will happen I mean <laughs> yeah. do, you th- yeah. th- do you think maybe next year they'll yeah, because hey, who knows what will happen next year in terms of the world? <laughs> truly, truly. Do, do, do you think they'll ever shift to digital? Tell you. I right? mean, it it might in the future, and I and I don't know what their mind is, but I know like a lot. They just actually bought one of the theaters in Telluride Town, which is called the Nugget, which oh. is really wonderful because Telluride Film Festival never had a actual spot in Telluride. It was just they used the town for the festival. But now that they have a theater, um, a lot is going to happen there. But I do think that a lot of the festival is to help bring in money to that town because A, it's so expensive to live there. Like I looked at Zillow just out of curiosity. (laughs) Um, There's no flipping way. It's like 825,000 for a one bedroom, one bath. I'm like, no, not happening. It's ridiculous. So, and I think a lot of it is to bring money to that town. Um, so I don't know if they'll do virtual just solely to keep money in flowing influx into that town, but who knows, honestly, 
they probably could run a virtual. It's just they need to figure out how to do it. But for for you, it went uh, this year's uh, festival went like fine, right? Uh, uh, I mean, because like I can see that being. I've seen people already sort of complain about wearing masks at film, at film festivals and um and I, I don't know how you feel but i just personally say like it hey you know what deal with it <laughs> it's kind yeah. of the, it's kind yeah. of the world we're living in now where yeah um you know in order to for yourself to feel safe and for others to feel safe around you wearing a mask at a movie theater or around in a film festival you know it's it's a price i'm willing to pay so i, I don't know how Absolutely. you feel but i'm not i'm not trying to put you in a corner rachel i, I oh you're fine <laughs> I, I will say I'm very pro mask. Um, okay, the, good. We I actually don't I don't go to the chain theaters around here because I just don't feel comfortable yet. Also, Tennessee is not very vaccinated. Um, we do go to an art house theater that isn't mandating masks, which I feel very much more comfortable about. Um, it's a mask, you know. You wear it for the hour, two hours that the movie runs, and then you can go outside and you take it off. Um, if you don't want to and you are like angry about wearing a mask then wait till the movie comes out streaming don't go to the festival don't go to the theater just stay home so that's really my outlook it just gets so frustrating when people put up such a huff over a mask and it's don't really uh, yeah don't complain on Twitter when you're like a exactly. high profile film critic who went to the film festival for free and um, exactly or, or just have to wear a mask throughout a film uh, uh, deal with it yeah I'm talking to one yourself. person by the way <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but anyway that's Sub just tweets me. galore let's I know. do it <laughs> I'm I'm I, I, I think I coined that phrase a few episodes ago of like subtweeting on a podcast I forget what I came up with it's like sub podcasting or something um, I'm all for it. <laughs> Let's talk about the actual films. How about that? How about that? Um, you you did tweet out your because you saw what ten films, right? Ten, yeah. Uh, actually, Telluride extended a day this year. This year, so it used to be a Friday to Monday, and now this year it was a Thursday to a Monday. Cool. Um, nice. So we got to put in a little extra in there. Um, so you, you watched ten. I know you ranked them uh, on a tweet. Um, maybe we should go from like top to bottom. How about that? It's, it seems like a simple Absolutely. way uh, Let's do it. To, to do it. So why don't, we, uh, uh, why don't we start with Spencer, which I saw you placed at the bottom. At now, the bottom. Now, I know. Okay, listen. I'll just start with my enthusiasm <laughs> for it. And then you can just bring me down to earth. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. So I'm, I'm excited about Spencer. I am. Uh, I love Pablo uh, Lorin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, cause I love, uh, Jackie. It's one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies, um, uh, that, that came out that year. Um, and of, of course I love Kristen Stewart and the story intrigues me uh, about princess Diana and, and, uh, what she went through. Um, and I know, listen, and, and you might, you know, uh, uh say I'm, I'm, I'm spot on with, uh, with thinking about this, but like, I'm already under, under the assumption that's going to be very much like Jackie. So it's like a, like an ethereal, like very moody piece, sort of like maybe not factually all correct, but sort of like giving you the vibe of what Princess Diana uh, went through. Anyway, that's my anticipation for it. But Rachel, what do you think about it? You have a very spot on outlook on it for sure. Um, and I do like Pablo Lorraine on how, actually my boyfriend and I were talking about this, like it is a, it is a biopic that, that's, 
sections off a piece of their life instead of doing their full entire life kind of lifespan. So this takes place over a Christmas holiday, and it it I saw somebody mention this about Spencer that it paints Diana exactly how the royal family wants her to be painted. So the mental issues, any kind of issues that she has, they're in this, and it kind of. I don't know. For me, it didn't really give redemption to Diana whatsoever. And I love Kristen Stewart. I absolutely adore her. I think she's the wrong choice for Diana because she's very one-dimensional for me personally. Um, I think a lot of people at this point in time might be having like festival blinders on potentially. (laughs) It happens. Because it does happen. It absolutely happens. But I guess we'll find out for the general audience when they see it. For me, it didn't really work. But visually, stunning. Uh, score-wise, it's Johnny Greenwood. How can you go wrong? It's gorgeous. So those parts, the the ele- those elements of it were great, but the acting of it, it's just like I didn't care about anybody. And, and it's sad because I was really looking forward to this one, but it just didn't do anything for me. Ah, uh, damn. Well, I'm so excited. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, though, for sure. So oh, yeah. definitely let me know once you see it. <laughs> yeah. I, I've had a great conversation with somebody, a friend of mine, about Jackie and how they thought mm-hmm that wasn't a great movie at all they hated jackie and i i, I had a back and forth not, not an angry back and forth but i'm like trying to understand <laughs> where they're coming from but yeah i i can see jackie and, and maybe a movie like this again i haven't seen it yet like just just focusing on the wrong wrong aspects and kind of like not going for like you said you know there should be some sort of redemptive quality to that main character mm-hmm. you're, that you're focusing on right so I can see I can see that issue popping up when I watch it, but we'll see. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And if you know, and it if it's not for me, it's definitely for somebody else. So yeah, there you go. I'm all for hearing everybody else's thoughts <laughs> once that's, it comes out. That's the joy of uh, <laughs> film festivals and just watching movies. Yeah, like hey, I didn't like it, but hey, somebody else will like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, the next one: uh, Electrical Life of Lewis Wayne, um, which. I didn't hear about until about a week or two ago, and <laughs> apparently, Same. did did I think somebody or several people made the point of like saying this is the best Benedict Cumberbatch movie, or, or maybe thinking of the other movie, the other Cumberbatch movie on this list. But apparently, hey, he's doing great work. Okay, uh, he's doing great work. Honestly, oh my god, um, you are thinking of the other one for yes. sure. We'll, but talk, we'll talk about is, the other one later. <laughs> yes, he is still wonderful in Electrical Life of Louis Wayne. Um, it's a, uh, I believe, I can't remember if the if this is the guy's directorial debut or not. Um, I don't remember, but it is a it's a very stacked cast and it's just about the life of this gentleman, Louis Wayne, who ended up painting cats, a lot of cats. And he has um, anxiety disorders and a bunch of stuff going on mentally with him. Um, and also through his entire family as well. And this is one of those docu- or biopics that explains the whole life. So at times I was disconnected from it because it just it felt like it kept going, but all in all, again, Benedict Cumberbatch is on a roll. Um, he's so good in this, and he's probably the best part of it. Um, but yeah, it's just a lot of cats, so get ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's really not that bad. It's just it, like I said, there's there's parts in it that I just felt disconnected because it did 
feel like it kept going on where I would prefer a segment of his life rather than the full thing. Ah, gotcha. And by the way, through my quick research, Will Sharp, um, this is his solo directorial debut because he worked okay, that's what with, I another, thought, yeah. with another director on other feature films. But um, yeah, according to my quick research, again, I could be wrong, but yeah, that's that's what I found out. Um, so gotcha. there you go. And he was there too. So it was oh. really nice to see an introduction from him. There you go. Um, so that is the electric life of Louis Wayne. Uh, why don't we go to one I'm excited for, uh, Bergman Island. Yes. yes. So from here on out, all these movies kind of like can, <laughs> can kind of like be in one category together because we really did see a lot of great stuff. Um, Bergman Island, I just I really did enjoy it. It's me and Hanson Love. So, um, the what, what was the last one she did? It was with um uh, was a movie called there. Maya. <laughs> Oh, she did that one. And then there was another Things one to Come. Movie. Yes, that one. And I've seen Eden. Eden, Eden is really yes. wild. I love it, though. Um, but Bergman Island, you know, we get we get Vicky Cripps back. Oh. <laughs> She's so great. I mean, yes, she wasn't old. I actually haven't seen old, so I can't comment on that. But um, yeah, Vicky Cripps. And she's great. She's just wonderful. And she's married to Tim Roth. <clears throat> and they go on a retreat to Bergman Island, which is an island where... Ingmar Bergman pulled a lot of his, um, and he, well, he lived there at one point, um, and a lot of his inspiration is from this island. But Vicki Krebs is trying to write a novel, but then all of a sudden reality and her novelization start to blur, and you're like, wait, what? where am I now? But it, it's very subtle, and it's not really heavy on praising Ingmar Bergman, so I kind of, that's, I really, really like that. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely recommend it. And it's Mia Wasikowska is in it too. So you, again, uh, yeah, you can't go wrong. So she's fabulous. So yeah, I, yeah, definitely. I think you might like this one. It's very subtle. Yeah, I, I when I first heard the title and then saw the cast list without reading up about it, I'm like, oh, what are they just doing? Like a kind of like a biopic of Bergman. But this seems. Not yeah. that that wouldn't be great in the right hands, but this seems much more intriguing to me. Um, yeah, especially with oh, Vicky Cripps. She, I, 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 I did see old. I liked it a lot. She's great in that. But mm-hmm. hey, you know, um, that's its own thing. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, this to me would um, not that that movie doesn't u- utilize her uh, well, but this might utilize her even better. But yeah, that's that's. My, I, th- I think so. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting. And I got really confused because there also is another movie called Bergman Island. It's on the Criterion. I think it's like documentaries or something like oh, that. Oh, yes. I think that is a documentary about Bergman himself. And Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got so confused. I was like, wait a minute. There's already Bergman Island. Is this just like a new one? And then after some research, we were like, yeah, we need to see this. It's it's uh, me, hits in love. So let's do this. <laughs> oh, great, great. Fantastic. Um I don't see a release date. I, I should also try to be good uh, with that, trying to see when. Well, it says here, uh, IFC Films acquired the U.S. Distrib- distribution, but I don't think they have a release date yet. I'm assuming, hopefully, by the, by the end of the year. So. Yeah, I think a lot of these are still trying to... Oh, wait, release date on IMDb is October 15th, 2021. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, so hopefully sometime soon. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. It's one of those. It's that it's, although it's like still 95 degrees in Texas. Um, <laughs> I feel that the humidity here is ungodly in uh, Tennessee. It's rough, but like it's, the, it's getting to that time of year, uh, sweater weather yes. where these, these movies that I, uh, not, not, not that I don't love the, the, the fast nines and, and whatnot, yeah. the suicide squads, but yeah, 
it's, it's getting to be that time when these movies are coming out. I go yeah. to my local indie theater, the, the AFS Cinema here in town, or the Draft House, and just watch these movies. Yep. And just and just and this is one of those I'm going to watch. Like it's on that, a, like yeah. post festival cozy lineup. Oh, yeah, I, I can't wait. Um, but yes, Bergman Island, excited for that. Uh, I saw a trailer for this. Uh, actually, a few days ago, and I was like, "What is this? Yeah. I've never heard of this." Yeah, yeah. Uh, Belfast, and yes. I'm like, "Oh, I know Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> I know that guy." Um, I, I'll quickly say this seems maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but this seems like a very personal film for for Branagh. I have no idea, but yes. um, yeah, tell me more about Belfast. Yes. You're 100 percent correct. Um, he actually got to introduce the film when we oh, saw it awesome. too, and he and Jamie Dornan were there, and it. Um, he even said it's his love letter to his hometown. Yeah. Um, so it's in black and white. It does have some colorful moments. Um, they do mean something to the movie, which I'm sure you'll pick up. I think this is a Netflix movie. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure this is Netflix, but um, this this is probably most toned down movie in a while because you know with Kenneth Branagh, he's been in and you know doing these large. Uh, movies and this one is just it's very subtle it's very family oriented to his family it's about his family growing up um jamie dornan there's this there's a scene where he's singing i don't know if it's him i like to think think that it's him but you know you never know um it's it's very it's very lovely and it's beautiful and this this whole entire score is done by van morrison which i'm a big van morrison fan not of him personally because he's a little crazy, but yeah. his music is definitely something I love. And I believe he um, made a song for this movie. Um, it's very personal though for him, for sure. And it's about the uh, difference between the Catholics and the Protestants in Ireland. Um, and it's probably the best black and white film I've seen since cold war a oh. couple of years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it looked, yeah. Uh, that first, uh, the first time I saw that trailer a few days ago, I, I immediately thought, yeah, personal and also beautiful looking. And also, yep. I'm just fascinated with the cast and the fact that Kenneth Branagh mm-hmm. is doing this. Uh, Judy Dench, Sirian Hines, uh, Jamie Doran, as you said. But yeah, oh, so good. And according to this, it says it's being released through Focus Features. Uh, it'll be out theatrically on okay. November the 12th. Uh, this okay, year. that's oh, not yeah, that far away. Yeah. It'll be here before you know it. Yeah. But it's definitely a recommended one for sure. Um, I really liked it. That opened up our festival that that Thursday that it opened. So oh, it was nice. nice. It's great, great opener. Wow. Yes. Uh, so that's Belfast. Another one. That, uh, all of these, I'm just adding to the list. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would. I absolutely would. Just I, I, I say highly recommended for all of them, and it definitely is. Just so, just watch them all. Here you go. <laughs> Uh, this next one I know very little about, although the one thing I know already gets me excited. It's it's written and directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, who I love. Yes. Uh, the Lost Daughter. Talk to me about that. Yes. And Maggie just won the um, script award through Venice for this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Um, the Lost Daughter stars Olivia Coleman, who, there there you go. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah, is done. there anything more to say? <laughs> Let's move <laughs> it's on. It's Olivia <laughs> Coleman for crying out loud. Um and she was not there because her kids were starting school the next day, so she needed to be home for them. Um, but Dakota Fanning was there, and uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal was there. She introduced the film. Um, she was very intoxicated doing so. She said she had a lot of tequila, so <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, I'm pretty sure the whole cast did because they were all like 
swaying around up there. But um, Olivia Coleman is on a vacation um, where she gets into it with um, a family from the Bronx and Dakota Fanning is part of that uh, family. And she has a small daughter who gets lost and Olivia Coleman helps find the daughter. And then this intertwining of personal life um, for Olivia and then her life kind of mesh together. Um, and Olivia starts harping on her past and how she has grown up with her daughters and stuff like that. So it's um, very powerful. Jesse Buckley is the prior Olivia Coleman, the young version of Olivia Coleman. Oh. Um, it's, it's very, it's good. There is a section or there is an element of the movie that completely takes me out of it. Um, and it's with Oliver Jackson Cohen. You'll probably understand once you see it. I think he's a great actor. I love him. But I think his whole like little side uh, story in the movie just doesn't really it doesn't make sense. It's just, it doesn't need to be there. Um, but it's very good, and Ed Harris is in it, and he was there too, so that oh, was cool. God, I love so, Ed Harris. Oh, yes. I I should also say, Rachel. I think you said Dakota Fanning when you meant Dakota Johnson, right? Oh yes, Dakota Johnson. Sorry, too yeah. many Dakotas. I know. I was Jeez. I was thinking that last night. I, I rewatched Man on a Fire, and I'm like, that's that's a great Dakota right there. And then I go, oh, oh wait, my gosh, Dakota Johnson is yes. also another great Dakota. So yeah, too many yeah. great Dakotas. The two Dakotas. Uh, <laughs> side note: that's one of my favorite Dakota Fanning performances ever. Is in Man on Fire. Man on Fire. Oh, yeah. I I I'm actually doing it, and I should uh, I shouldn't mention this. Well, I should mention this on the show because I've been very bad about inviting people to do top twenty five uh, lists, Rachel. But yeah, you should come on the show and do your top twenty five of all time because uh, that's why I watched Man on Fire. I'm like, is this in my top twenty five movies of all time? Yes, it is. Yeah. I, it, I, yeah. I, it's yeah. yeah it's Tony Scott's yeah. best personally. Oh, we're on a Denzel train this year over in this house, so we oh, definitely got God. to that one. <laughs> and I, I said, this is my favorite Tony Scott. This is my favorite Denzel. And it might be one of my favorite performances ever in a movie by anybody. Him in that movie. That's yeah. that's that's my grand take of Man on Fire. But, <laughs> but anyway, that's that. That's about The Lost Daughter. Um, I, I, it, this is... Jilla Hall's isn't it her directorial debut? This is her directorial debut, yes. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, good. And um, her husband's in it too, Peter Sarsgaard. Oh, that's right. I, I always forget. And he was he was there too, and I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, I always forget they're married. Oh, so lucky. Um, yeah, it threw me off guard when she's like, "I'm here. I have a lot of tequila in me. Here's my husband, Peter Sarsgaard." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my god, I forgot." <laughs> Uh, oh, and this is a Netflix movie, so it'll be out on Netflix. And and I'm yes. sure because th- Netflix is um, is one to do this. They they always have the theatrical uh, uh, runs before yeah. they come on Netflix. So it says here December seventeenth. Yeah, okay. it's worth it for sure. It's beautiful. Like I said, there is an element that takes me out of it, but um, all in all, it's it's a very strong movie. Strong performances. Every all of it. Oh, so good. I'm excited. There you go. The Lost Daughter. Uh, oh, again, another one I'm excited about. All these I'm excited about. Um, because already, uh, and I cannot pronounce anybody's name, just so you know. <laughs> Neither can I. Cecilene Skiamama? No, that's not right at all. Well, director, <laughs> I know her. That's Celine Skiama. Celine Skiama. Okay. Yes. She uh, did Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yes. Yes. So now she has another film that I hear is getting great, great buzz, great reviews. Yes. And I'm already so excited about. So talk about this one, Petite Maman. 
Well, I'll tell you, the one best thing about it is we saw it at like a 10 o'clock screening, I think, or something like that. It's 72 minutes long. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> there's your there's your starting point. I was so excited. I'm like, all right. And then I, I thought of it as like a challenge. Like, okay, 72 minutes. What can you show me in 72 minutes? Holy bananas. Um, she definitely kills it in that amount of time. Um, it's, it's very, um, I want to say... It's very loving, um, and it's a very interesting take on grief for a child um, and how to process grief in that era of your life rather than being older and kind of just being sad. So um, it's – and it's almost like supernatural without – the scientific elements to it. So the daughter, um, well, the family, the grandmother passes away and they go to clean up her home to then sell it and get rid of it, which is already a sad, you know, a sad event in your life. Um, and she disappeared. The daughter, the youngest daughter disappears to the woods to just get some breath and fresh air. And she sees this girl making a fort. Um, and as you, they become friends and everything, she has to come over. And then she realizes that somehow she's traveled in time. And the girl that she met is actually the young version of her mother. And then oh. she actually gets to see her grandmother more alive and well. Um, because she never really got to get that good that good goodbye from her because she passes away in an old age home. Um, so it's how this young girl processes that event in her life and be able to see her grandmother and and stuff like that and it's it's really beautiful and it's again like i said it's super short and it packs a punch in that 72 minutes god it sounds i i I had no idea really what it was about until you told me and i'm already just more excited for it and it's it's very good i I looked it up it's it's going still going through the film festival circuit um no, no release date but it did get picked up by neon which uh, released, yeah, uh, yeah her, her last film, uh, Portrait of a yeah. Lady on Fire. Uh, yeah, but they're smart with their release schedules and everything. I mean, I mean yes, Parasite, they the, the, their film Parasite won Best Picture like two years ago. So, uh, yeah. Yes, and I mean, they. I'm pretty sure they're releasing um, Titan, the yes. Julia Dubernau film. So, I mean, and that's coming soon to a theater around here, which I am so excited for. <laughs> so they, um, they're a really great company that, I don't know. They just handle their films really well, in my opinion. Oh yeah, and they released a uh, pig not too long ago, which is a. Oh, I still haven't seen it yet. <laughs> oh, it's amazing, Rachel. I mean, it, just oh. let me reiterate what others have said. Yes, it's it's astounding, and it's one I've only seen once, but I need to see it. I need to see it again, and I'm sure oh, it'll man. make my top ten uh, this year. I so. just love Nicolas Cage. So just give me all the Nicolas Cage. I'm ready for Prisoners of Ghostland. I just my eyeballs <laughs> need it. So. <laughs> And there's there's that one film I don't know if you know it's coming out next year where he's playing himself, um, which oh. sounds bonkers. But uh, I did not know this. I forget the name of it. I'll probably look it up later. But uh, but anyway, but uh, you know what? Uh, yeah, on this podcast or on the Talk from Society Network, there needs to be like a Nicholas Cage retrospective. I think we. we oh, I think it needs to be done. Yes. It needs to happen. <laughs> I think we've 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 tiptoed around it for so long. We just need to dedicate uh, words, podcasts, everything. Uh, to the man so absolutely because uh, yeah. I, I will say like if there's any justice uh which there isn't uh he'll get nominated for uh best actor for pig but i don't know it's it, it, it's gonna be a hectic race this year i think yes um 
But let's hey, let's move on. Let's talk about more movies. Hey, t- yeah. speaking of speaking of best actors, um, I'm, I'm assuming the the lead actor in this film is going to get uh, nominated. Um, come on, come on is the film, and Joaquin Phoenix is the man, and Mike Mills yes. is, the, is the director. Uh, I I. This is one of those where, like, I I know they released a trailer, and I'm I'm not mm-hmm. it's not that I'm picky about watching trailers. I would rather watch a trailer like on a big screen, like for the first time. Yeah. Uh, I kind of know what it's about, but Ra- Rachel, tell me what it's about, and I'm assuming since it's so high on this list, it's 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 one to watch, right? It's good. Uh-huh. Um, I prefer not to watch trailers at all, personally. Um, if I see them, it happens, but usually I try to go into movies as blind as possible. Um, yeah which is what I did yesterday for the card counter when in blind as possible. But um, come on, come on is another black and white movie. So um, it, it was weird. We saw Belfast and then we saw come on, come on. So it was black and white and then black and white. Um, it is, I, hmm, I'm just going to just say it. I don't care for Joker. I just, the movie's not hey, for me. You're, you're talking it to happens. the right person. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love Joaquin Phoenix. I absolutely do. And I think this is his most um, down-to-earth um, performance since her, personally. Oh, yeah. Um, it's wonderful. The child that plays the, the kid actor in it is so good. Oh, my gosh. And Gabby Hoffman is in it. And I love Gabby Hoffman. And she got her COVID test before me. So like right before me, she stepped in line. It was like, I was going to be next. And then she hopped in line. I'm like, dang, never Gabby. It's okay. Um, but it is very interesting. And it's about, um, Gabby Hoffman is married to Scoot McNary, who doesn't really have many speaking parts in the movie. Um, but he has, it's like a bipolar or schizophrenia disorder of some, some sort. Um, and he is, they're still married, but he's in another part of California. She's in LA, he's in San Francisco and they have a son who lives with Gabby and Joaquin is a traveling recorder. Like he's a journalist and does recordings of, Oh, well at the time he's doing a project for kids and seeing what the future is like and what their perspective is. So it's very, um, really interesting and the son needs to be babysat but Joaquin can't stay in LA long so he ends up taking him with him back to New York down to I think they go do to New Orleans to do recordings and stuff like that um so it's basically his journey with his nephew and how much his life can change in just a short amount of time and realization of life with from his nephew's perspective so a lot of heavy hitting questions from the kid because the kid is very ballsy he's just like why are you single why are you why do you not have kids so um it's beautiful it's a really beautiful and it's another more personal again like mill said it's more personal because he made the movie from um when he was giving his son a bath and he's like i'm gonna make a movie about you and me i said okay and he's like yeah it's fine so <laughs> then he made the movie so again something very personal which is seemed to be a theme um, through Telluride a little bit for some movies, but definitely a watch. It's really, really great stuff. Yeah, and it's uh, being distributed by A24. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, they also do great work, and I'm trying to find a release date. I cannot find one. It's still doing this, the festival circuits. It's, yeah, and they only just released a poster like right, right. a couple so, days ago, yeah. I think. So I hope they don't bury this one under the rug because it really is something. Oh yeah, it's uh, again like I hey I'm not a big fan of of Joker either, um, 
and I, I rewatched that uh, uh, the week that Cruella came out because I'm like, how did Cruella do this so much better when the Joker was just that bad? <laughs> and yeah, but hey, even even Phoenix's performance, he did uh, that thing he did in Joker. He did a lot better in uh, You Were Never Really Here. So, and that was a much better movie. So. I love that movie. <laughs> ah, so good. And I love her. I love that movie. Um, and you comparing this, like, sort of, like, understated Phoenix uh, in that to this, I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. And I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Mike Mills, too, so. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, he has very uh, grounded films, in my opinion, so. Yeah. Um, there you go. Another black and white personal film from a, a great yep. director um i'm not gonna say roma started this trend but it's just funny that like it's <laughs> it's still happening it's it's happening but hey, yeah more it is yeah m- more power to them um and i love black and white films uh, to begin with so yeah the more the merrier agreed uh yep. all right so that's come on come on next one a hero um by a director who i am I'm one of those. I have not seen what he's done, but I know he's done amazing work. I, 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 was, I was just talking yes. with um, Dave, David Giannini, on his yeah. top 25 of all time, and I believe he had a separation on there. And again, he's like one of those who, among many, who I've heard so many great things about that movie. Um, but yeah, since then, he's done, uh, the director has done so much great work, including this, uh, I'm assuming, yes. right? A hero. Talk about this one, Rachel. Yes. Well, this is actually my first um, Asghar Farhadi movie. Um, ah. And my boyfriend's a big Farhadi fan, so that's why we're like, he wanted to definitely see this. So I was like, yeah, sure, why not? I'm I, literally with festivals, I'm just like, yeah, let's watch whatever. It doesn't really bother me. Yeah. Um, and we actually met the distributor in line for this movie. Um, we were at a very small theater. It had it holds 150 people. And we just got talking to him, and he was the distributor for, um, oh, gosh, A Separation and The Salesman, which was yes. his movie in 2016. So I, I'm hearing wonderful things, so obviously I need to watch them. But um, A Hero is really um, – it is about a prisoner – who gets um, a leave, like a two-day leave. And in those two days, he tries to convince um, his creditor that um, to, to let him go out, let him leave jail. So basically what happened to him was he was given this loan for to make a company, um, and then his partner took it all. So and ran. So now he was left with anything. And now he has to pay back this guy. But since he can't pay him back, they put him in jail. So he's trying to get out of jail. So he creates this scheme that he found this purse with all this money in it, but it was really his girlfriend stole it. (laughs) Um, And he was going to use that money to pay off the debt. But he kind of feels like he should do the right thing. So it's this battle between doing the right thing and trying to get away with something. Um, and what is the good thing in life? Like, what should you be doing? So, and it's almost like a um, no good deed goes unpunished. So you might be doing a good deed, but in the long run, will it really help you? Um, so I don't want to give too much away because if I do, it is going to give a lot away. Um, it's a very conflict of interest for your internal morals. So it's very good. It's very good. And the performances are fantastic. So... Oh, so good. again yeah. it's definitely a watch like you should definitely watch it because it is that good and i couldn't keep my eyes off of the screen so if i if if i 
have that connection with the movie and it's like my eyes i don't even blink i know that it's a good movie oh so good yeah um and it says here it'll be distributed by amazon uh no release date yet oh yes it's an amazon films uh yes yeah um but yeah uh uh, amazon also does great work i think in terms of like releasing their films i think they do too yeah Yeah. i i do believe so um but yeah i'll need to check this out and also uh the other films of uh far heidi because um everything i've heard i'm sure I, i love them but for whatever reason me being a dummy i just had not got to them yet <laughs> um, there's so many blind spots i have so you don't even worry <laughs> okay good good um I, I mean i'm gonna have a lot of blind spots after this conversation rachel because like there's so many <laughs> um next one second to last one oh we're almost there uh yep. the hand of god uh yes by paulo sorrentino um yes. who i'm i'm a fan of i like him uh i saw the great beauty i like that one uh i saw a lot of because he also did the young pope um i i i like his style i i, I like what he does uh so this yeah. one is, is his new mo- new movie i'll just say up front netflix uh movie yes netflix. being released on the 15th of december so talk about this one rachel the hand of god yeah. So I have actually, I did not get to see The Great Beauty yet. Um, I have seen Youth from 2015. Um, and visually, again, with his style, he's visually stunning. Right. Um, this movie, again, is a, um, he was there. So he introduced this. And again, it is a love letter to growing up. Um, so it's to Naples, Italy, which um, I could watch Italian cinema any day, <laughs> any day, any time of the year. I mean, I guess that might be my Italian background. I took Italian for three years in college and I can read it and I can kind of understand it. Can't speak it, but um, I could sit there and just listen to Italian speak all day long. But this is, again, love letter to his growing up um, in the 80s of Naples and how he comes to wanting to be who he is today. Um, and it's just basically family life. So that's all it really goes about is just his family life. And a lot of it takes place. Um, if you haven't seen it, I, again, this is another something I recommend, but the documentary Diego Maradona, um, mm. or Maradona, I think it's called, it's about the soccer player, Diego Maradona, um, and his fame. He actually just passed away not that long ago, I think from COVID, unfortunately. Um, but he's a really prominent soccer player and he elevated the game so much in Europe. So, and he was, I forget what team he was on originally, but this takes place at the time when Maradona decides to go to Naples and how much the um, Napolitan people wanted him on that team and once they finally got him that's not a spoiler don't worry um, he he does join the Naples team and it the, it's like this life bursts in Naples and it's really beautiful stuff because it's really hilarious on the connection of people and how much they love sporting events depending on where you are um so that was just like a little background. So it kind of actually helped knowing the background of Maradona um, going into this movie. So it's it's really something special. It's beautiful. There's some really awkward parts on it. And you're like, oh, this is weird. But again, it's Italian. <laughs> it's Italian. <laughs> so, so don't be too um, surprised. And it's ha- it's funny. It's happy. And in a lick of a drop of a dime, it's going to be sad. So it's a 
get your get your tissues ready, but also <laughs> get ready to put on a smile. So ah, so good, yeah. And um, just hearing you talk about uh, Italian films, Italian cinema, and like how it's it's in, in, immensely watchable. That's what I think about when I think about the great beauty. His uh, uh, his movie from twenty thirteen, um, which which yeah. I highly recommend. It's 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 good. Um, oh, I want to see it so bad. I just yeah. haven't gotten to it. <laughs> Yeah, but and I, uh, the same the same guy is in it too. Uh, oh yeah. Oh gosh, what's his name? Uh, to, oh shoot, Tony Servillo. He's yes. in it. He oh. plays he plays um, the young boy's dad. So the young boy is, I believe, supposed to be Paolo, um, but in this movie, his name is Filippo, and his dad is um, played by Tony Servillo. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I love that. Um, all right, that's the hand of God. <laughs> one more. This is the one. That's uh, my favorite. The one I referenced a while ago, uh, this is the one where I keep hearing, I keep hearing Cumberbatch, Benedict Cumberbatch, best thing he's done eh, ever, maybe. Uh, the Power of the Dog. Um, this is your yeah. favorite of the fest, right? Yep. Um, and at this point in time, I think it's my favorite of the year. Yeah. Oh. I, mean, I know that's a heavy hitter. That's a heavy hitting sentence. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's my favorite of the year right now. Yeah, I've been hearing nothing but praise. Uh, so Rachel, now you can heap praise uh, towards oh. this film, uh, and I, I'm just going to sit back and listen because, again, this th- this has jumped up t- uh, up top uh, on my watch list um, after because yeah, it <laughs> premiered at Venice uh, and uh, it, it played at other festivals. Um, yeah. But yeah, talk about Power of the Dog. It is. Which is really weird. We saw a lot of North American premieres. So this was the North American premiere of Power of the Dog. And it is something extremely special. It does. It, it is Netflix. It comes out December 1st. So I'm just throwing that out there just to make sure you all put that on your calendars. Um, but it is, to me, it's Benedict Cumberbatch's best performance. Um, it is not only that, but the film itself is gorgeously shot. Absolutely stunning. Um, again, score by Johnny Greenwood can't go wrong the cast is uh, besides benedict cumberbatch you have um jesse plemons kirsten dunst cody scott mcphee and it's just just, oh my gosh it's just so absolutely amazing it's subtle too it's not very um hard to tell as well so a lot of people might be like oh i don't really know the meaning of this no it's really not that hard it's (laughs) benedict cumberbatch is basically having a struggle in life after jesse plemons his 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 brother they own a ranch together he ends up marrying kirsten dunst this does not give away any spoilers i promise and he is having struggles between losing his brother and his inner not inner demons but inner morals and thoughts and uh, feelings for a Western in that time. So he wants to be the sturdy cowboy, but he's fighting these urges in in his life from having a friend who he was very close to pass away from... I forget how he passes away. They do say it in the film. It's something, you know, Western cowboy related, some kind of injury. Um, but yeah, it's about struggles of love and feelings and emotions and it's something beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And it's off of a, based off of a book, I believe of the same name. Um, and Jane Campion was there to talk about it. We went to the Q and a actually, it was a uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunson's Cody Scott McPhee and Jane Campion. Um, and it's just, it's very beautiful and it's very interesting to hear them talk on how highly everything about the movie is. So, um, 
I am so excited for people to see it, honestly. <laughs> uh, I, listen, I, I'm excited. And I, this is another director that I know they're amazing. I have not seen... I'm looking at their at uh, Jane Campion's filmography. I don't think I've seen any of her work, which is uh, a crime. I think at this point, because I, I, I would I, start. I, uh, I mean, I know the, I know the piano is the big one. Yeah, right? I was going to yeah. say the piano. Definitely start there because that's uh, Holly Hunter and um, Harvey Keitel. I think. Yeah. Um, start there and then work your way around. We we are actually going to do a deep dive of Jane Campion in the in the house soon, but um, the power of the dog really lit the fire under our butts to continue watching her films and just get an all sense of who she is as a director. Um, because if it's anything like that, oh, we're in for it. <laughs> yeah. I, I was actually browsing Criterion Channel the other day, and I saw In the Cut was was on the Criterion Channel. And that's, okay. that's another Campion film. And I'm like, oh, that movie about a serial killer and starring Meg Ryan, Mark Ruffalo. Like, <laughs> I, I, it, I, I... Well... It's, uh, my my perception of that movie was like it wasn't that good, but now it's that now that I know it's like a Jane a, a Jane sorry a, a, a Jane Campion movie on the Criterion Channel. I'm like, well, maybe I should watch yeah. In the Cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have to watch that one too. Actually, um, I think we might we're probably going to backtrack a little bit and watch the piano. I mean, I've already seen the piano, but my boyfriend hasn't, so I'll let him watch it, and then we're going to probably start. Maybe the beginning, or do the heavy hitters, and then do the lesser known ones. Unsure oh, yeah. of how we're gonna how we're gonna do it, but um, the power of the dog will, you know, give you excitement to continue through her filmography. Oh, that's great! Uh, I, I'm excited. I, I I've talked about Benedict Cumberbatch on 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 a podcast i think it was the lord of the rings show and i may have been too cruel um uh, towards cumberbatch <laughs> i apologize to anybody who listened to that um but i, I do think when giving when given the right uh, um you know uh, uh scripts you know, with the right director yeah. he is amazing i did like my yep. first my first um introduction to him um and i think me along with uh, several other people was that sherlock series and i love that sherlock series yeah yeah, yeah. so and then and yeah. it's funny you mentioned that though yeah because immediately after we left power of the dog we're like we both were in agreement that cumberbatch is best when he has a a good script and be the right director yeah. and power of the dog is definitely it and did you do you know he's 45 like it blew my mind when I looked up how old he was because I had no idea. I'm like, you're not 45. No, uh, I don't know how to process that. It's it, uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, that's odd. 45. It blew my mind. Yeah. But he play, But and honestly, he uses. Uh, he kind of feels that age for his um, character. Um, but it's it's very. Um, he has this like relationship with Kirsten Dunst's son, who is played by Cody Scott McPhee. Holy crap, what a performance, though. Oh, my Lord. Um, but it's really, you can take a lot of in what that movie holds and put it towards modern times, too, because everybody still has this pro- issue. Because a lot of the movie is dealing with um, hiding homosexuality and hiding feelings and stuff like that. So it's very um, interesting how it can be transcribed from there to, you know, then to now. Ah, oh, so good. Uh, but yeah, but like you said, it's a Netflix movie. Um, it says here December 1st, right? On yes, Netflix? Yes, December yeah. 1st. And um, it'll have a limited run. 
in theaters before that. But yeah, uh, another yes. one I'm adding to the list. Um, yeah, I think it, we there was only one movie that we didn't get to see that we wanted to, but we were so tired, um, <laughs> and we didn't and we didn't want to take the gondola to the other side of the mountain. That we were just like, let's bag it. It'll it'll be out. I think I don't know who's distributing it, but it's um, Red Rocket by Sean Baker. Oh, okay. I've I have no idea. Uh, actually, had no idea he had a had a movie yet. Yeah, Red Rocket is about a, I believe it's a male prostitute who returns to his uh, conservative Texas family, <laughs> and <laughs> that's you know that's basically the story. Um, but we didn't get to watch it. It was very divisive in the crowd. But Telluride does draw a very um, old older demographic. So yeah. I'm not surprised that it's more of a. Um, thwarted look from many people <laughs> well that's that's one that's another one i'm looking forward to uh you, you, you keep adding on rachel to, okay yes <laughs> i'll watch all these great movies i will um but thank you Th- again this was great uh rachel yeah. um i, I, I always do- enjoy talking with you so <sighs> it makes life easy <laughs> well, same same and i i love talking to you i love talking about festivals i'll talk about movies great movies um again i was saying before it feels like we're coming into that season of like yes these, yes. these great movies that come out in theaters and just me talking about uh, these movies you know uh, when they premiere at festivals and with people who've seen them before me that gets me even more excited so really oh yeah like 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 any any podcast I've done, uh, it, it's mostly for me. Anybody who listens, <laughs> it's, it's also for them, too, if they want to. Uh, but, yeah. But, Rachel, before we go, plugs. Where can people listening find you online? Oh, my handle on uh, Twitter is Max Fishers uh, from the lovely Rushmore fame. Um, and my obsession with Jason Schwartzman. Um, otherwise, my... Instagram, if you care, it's Dirk Calloway again from Rushmore. Um, writings, I haven't written in a while. I need to get back to it. Um, but Talk Film Society seems to be my go-to for now. So yeah. check it. <laughs> there you go. Check it out, folks. Um, thank you, Rachel. Hey, Greg, how are you doing? I am good. How are you? I am doing great. Uh, second cool, recording cool. of the day uh, for an nice. episode that's coming out on Tuesday. This is like the uh, a fast release for me. This morning I woke up, sent, uh, uh, I, I added everyone in the Discord channel in Talk Film Society and said, hey, I want to talk about Malignant. Anybody want to talk about Malignant? And Greg, you, you you're the first one to pop up. And I was like, perfect. Let's, I jumped on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, perfect. Let's do this. And I was like, short notice, but can you do today? Can you do Sunday? The day we're recording is like, sure, perfect. Um, because I wanted to get this out sooner than later. It, this kind of came out of nowhere. Like I, I knew this was coming out. It was, this was on my radar. It was. It's James Wan, so I'm excited to see a James Wan movie. But the trailer for it didn't really sell me on it being anything other than like kind of a standard thriller horror movie. And then I watched it. Oh, and by the way, we'll do we'll do no spoilers for the second for the first half, and then we'll do like uh, spoiler heavy in the second half of this conversation. Um, but I didn't know much about. 
uh, it really from the trailers okay fine she sees things it's uh, she has premonitions or something then the twitter buzz happened like I think thursday night previews and then friday and i was like oh well, i have to see this now and then it happened in front of me i was like what the fuck and then yeah a lot of people had uh uh they threw around words like worst movie I've ever seen to like this is amazing that I've ever seen a horror movie like this so much has been said about this so far and worse this is Sunday this is like three days after its release so and I was like yes I gotta talk about this but yeah that's how I uh, felt and that's why I wanted to record a segment on this right away Greg tell me and then We'll, again, we'll do spoiler-free here for the first like 10, 15 minutes. Then we'll do the spoiler-heavy section after that. So we'll, we'll keep it spoiler-free here. Mm. Greg, tell me how uh, how you came into this, um, your your expectations beforehand, and then your general feelings afterwards. I did not watch a trailer for this. I didn't really sort of tap into any of the publicity or anything that sort of led up to it. And I kind of uh, intentionally did that. Uh, I just didn't want anything spoiled if I, if I did watch it. And I don't know if I had uh, a direct intention to, to watch this. Like I do appreciate James Wan. I don't think I'm in the camp that a lot of people are in of like, he is the new face of horror. Like I understand everything that he has done creating you know universes and saw and he's huge i just don't hold him in i guess like much esteem or like in such high regard in when it comes to how i enjoy or digest his movies um like in this you know might say a lot about me i really like ty west and i like what adam winger was like we're doing i, I feel like tonally those movies sort of and, and textually, I like the look of those movies a lot. I like what they're doing. Um, that isn't to say I love everything that they do. I mean, I kind of miss Ty West. I'm not really sure what he's been up to. But, um, yeah, but, you know, I, I think I would not have seen this had it not come to HBO Max. Um, because just my schedule with baking, I'm, you know, up at 2 a.m. in bed at 7.30 um, with my partner. It's a very... Uh, sort of causes a lot of uh, friction, I guess. Um, but yeah, since it was on HBO and easily accessible, which I'm happy with. I know there's a lot of discourse, especially with Patty Jenkins, uh, about streaming and theatrical experience and all that. But uh, yeah, and then I sort of midnight uh, Friday rolled around, and you know I got up at 2 a.m to sort of sit with coffee and read before work and you know just checking twitter and every everyone was the hashtag malignant and hashtag you know like yeah it was just it was popping off and uh a lot of it was this is bonkers this is batshit crazy and i know you know the everyone on twitter's you know hyperbole is max and you know i you know i really like movies like the boy and the prodigy like i do like the movies that are very uneven, but they're weird. They're doing their own thing. They're on their own wavelength. And so I kind of was reading tweets and getting sort of that vibe. And I mean, no one mentioned those movies because I don't know, no one really talks about them for, you know, whatever reasons. But uh, yeah, so 
made it a point to watch it yesterday. Um, you know, we had to like close our curtains and try and make it as dark as it was because it was like five thirty um, in the early evening. But I, I think this is one of those movies where, yeah, going in blind uh, helped completely. But also, it wasn't a movie that I needed to be immersed in complete darkness. Volume up for sure, but. I was just along for the ride, and people kept on mentioning the third act of where it gets bonkers. And I don't know. To me, it started kind of getting bonkers in the first ten minutes, and <laughs> yeah. I was really, I, I was, I was on its wavelength. And it's interesting because a, f- a few months ago, um, my partner, her sister, and um, husband started watching all the Fast and the Furious movies and I had seen all of them except for 7 and 8 um, and then obviously 9 leading up to it and out of all of them my least favorite is uh, James Wan's it's you know I, I hated Furious 7 and it's crazy to me that it is the highest grossing fast film um, to date and I it, and, and I couldn't pinpoint why I disliked it um but I love Justin Lin's, you know, camera work. I think it works really well when it comes to racing. But the way James Wan moves his camera, um, it wasn't doing it for me in the Fast movies. But oddly enough, it was working really well here. And it got like, I mean, I'm definitely getting ahead of myself because you asked a question that was not related to what I'm talking about. But <laughs> No, this, um, is, this is fine. This is great. Okay. Um, it's he, he he moves his camera like he's shooting action scenes, and they're very uh, sweeping in a loose term, but uh, it moves, and I think it works with this movie because right from the gates, it's just moving, and it's sort of for an hour and fifty-one minutes. Which I originally saw that, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like I don't know if this could sustain itself. You know, like everyone sort of had that reaction with the Empty Man, it being two hours and I think fourteen minutes which I didn't think was an issue, nor do I think two hours and 14 minutes is long if you're a certain type of horror. But I don't know. With Conjuring films and Insidious, like if it's nearing two hours, I have some, you know, trepidation. Or like I'm, I'm a little bit worried, but this has moved and it flowed really well and I was along for the ride and I think that the camera movement helped I don't necessarily think that I enjoyed it all the time because I kind of really miss like stagnant shots that just sit there and let the characters live and breathe. And there were moments of that. I really loved her like grief or, you know, and like it just sort of let it sit there, but there's always like the camera's always sort of moving in and pushing. And then it does things where it's just like moving like next of kin esque, where it's just like looking down at like, you know, sort of like a blueprint of this house as she's moving through it and I think like, I think it's beautiful and but yeah I got into this or I watched it as soon as I did because I usually am not somebody to sort of immediately watch something that's new that everyone's talking about like I don't I do wish I could be on that wavelength and be you know in in I guess uh, but my schedule usually never uh, shakes out that way but I wanted to with this and I'm so glad because uh, it totally surpassed all my expectations. And, you know, I 
Yeah, I, 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 I think this is the James Wan I want to see. Like, I really do love Insidious. Um, I like Conjuring. I'm not, you know, huge on it. I bought Dead Silence a while ago on Blu-ray, and I haven't watched it yet. I'm really excited. I think we're going to do it this October. Um, but, yeah, uh, he's not my go-to. But if this is what he's going to produce, then I'm all about it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a... It sounds like I'm a bigger James Wan fan than you are. Um, mm. And, hey, funnily enough, um, I think Furious 7 is my favorite Fast movie, so um, wow. we can disagree about that. But <laughs> I think th- I think what I like about him as a director is that camera. And and we'll, we'll, I'll talk more about this in the spoiler section, but like in, in a movie that I thought was just a straight going to be a straight horror movie it does feel at times Mm. very much like an action movie and i think that's just like his go-to and i think that's why maybe some people are are, i mean like like you greg like that fast moving camera may not work with the atmospheric tone of like a horror movie like this at times you know it's it's initially it's it's a movie about like trauma and this woman who uh is in this uh, abusive relationship with her husband and she's had like i think two or three miscarriages and is pregnant again and uh in the first 10 minutes something attacks them like some spirit we don't know what mm. um that's not a spoiler that's just the that's the opening 10 minutes um yeah but uh but yeah then as things get more off the rails I, i'm in agreement here with you like that moving camera works perfectly for me because <laughs> it, it, it follows the action and follows the horror it follows this plot and it's just as like off kilter and like kinetic as it should be so um mm. that's what i like about james wan I, I do like his camera but i'll admit like even at times it doesn't work fully uh sometimes in this movie but in other movies for sure i mean i yeah i mean i, I first noticed the camera in the conjuring 2 so this what a year after he did fast 7 um but it was like it was sort of similar to what it was doing in the house uh at the beginning of malignant where it was like moving through the halls following these kids and then it would like sweep up across a door and through like a window into another room and i think it works to carry the movie um at a certain pace, uh, I think it sort of it didn't work for me at least in The Conjuring Two because the movie's just at a much different pace. But this like is just unhinged and it's sort of like off the rails and it just keeps going. And yeah, uh, it might not be my thing. It might not always work. But I think here when he taps into it, it really works. Um, I think. I don't know if I love the cinematographer, Michael Burgess. Um, he's so far only done sort of conjuring films, the third conjuring and the third Annabelle. And then he did the curse of La Llorona. And yeah, it's, I think there are some key shots in this that I think look really good, but ultimately I think that is not up to par with the director. And, you know, I mean, it's great that it's getting, you know, Michael Burgess is getting a chance to sort of flex and tap into this universe that Wen has built, but uh, I don't know. I think it does a disservice. It doesn't always look good, which I have other issues with, but yeah, I think when it comes to the pacing, I think this movie well, like, was kind of perfect. I think no, no little, no more at 111 minutes. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, before we head into the spoiler section, I do want to backtrack because I find this interesting. Back to how you watched it, Greg, because you, you watched it at home, right? Um, yeah. And I, I, I uh, went to the theater and watched this on Friday. And when how I was many, watching it, and the this gets into that discourse. I don't want to dive too deep into this, but I just found this interesting when I watched it. And this will connect to like another movie that's coming out. Uh, day and date with theaters and streaming but when I saw this in the theater I'm like oh I'm happy this is on HBO right now too mm-hmm. because I mean sure, you know fuck the box office stuff because like that's just in, in that, that you can't really pinpoint yeah. anything at this moment in time because we're still in the pandemic but mm-hmm. the fact that this movie in particular is in theaters and is streaming it's like the best of both worlds because like this to me was a great theatrical experience uh the 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 sound alone is like amazing in a theater but then the fact Mm. that it's easily accessible now where anybody with an hbo account can watch it too like i'm like perfect like this is that this is the type of movie that should be seen by everybody as soon as possible because you know uh i'm worried about spoilers hopefully uh uh, people listening to this, uh, you know, haven't. Well, this is the, still the spoiler-free section, so uh, get ready mm-hmm. to pause this, watch the movie, and come back. But I'd like for more people to see this because it is one of those that I can't even describe to people to recommend. I'm like, just watch it, just watch. It. It's gonna go. It's gonna go in places you're not gonna <laughs> really expect, or it will surprise you in certain ways. But just watch it. So I'm happy that yeah. at home, it's experience that people are currently like you know enjoying i think in in a way that uh, i don't know it's i guess my point is make it accessible i think horror w- works in this day and date thing more than maybe other movie genres this isn't just my For grand sure. like no no evidence behind it just my grand statement because i do i did like the news that uh, halloween kills is coming to streaming and theaters Peacock. same day and date and i'm like perfect that's great that, that, even more so than than malignant maybe we'll see you know it that hit more in both those platforms than than this did this weekend but anyway that's my mm. grand statement on like the streaming thing because like i i think for this movie i think it works because it gets more eyes on it faster because i think this type of movie needs that oh yeah i mean uh, i do i do wish i saw it in theaters um i think my my idea going into it was okay it's a horror movie i want to close the curtains crank the volume up and just kind of be scared in my own home because i think that less people around. I mean, there's an energy you feed off of in theaters when you watch a horror movie. Um, but I, I feel like I, I, I tap into the horror of things a bit more when I'm at home. Um, however, this movie's a bit different and I do totally wish I saw it in theaters with a crowd because it's like orphan level of sort of engagement where you're, uh, yelling at characters or reacting, uh, audibly and uh i don't i like i don't think that this is a scary movie like at all i think that in the beginning it has some very unsettling moments like some really cool uh like when it deals with like the, sort of the the shadow i guess of gabriel and yeah. she's like looking out the window and she sees sort of like an outline standing by like a street light or like i, I think it has very unsettling moments but once it changes gears and it starts sort of moving into more action territory, 
it's a sort of like ballistic and that's when I wish I saw it in a theater like like when you saw it how many people were at your screening see that's the thing like there weren't that many people when things happened when the turn mm. turned I reacted I said to myself holy shit but I kind of wish <laughs> kind of to your point like this would work gangbusters in a packed house i'm imagining like um fantastic fest like midnight screening just mm. the place would have just gone insane when you know yeah. it's, one specific thing happens which we'll, we'll get to but yeah i wish it was i wish there were more people around it's like the one time in this last year and a half that i wish more people were in a theater <laughs> to see this with me but no there were maybe yeah. like four people and they're like way above me so not not too much of a reaction i felt there's, there wasn't there wasn't that like camino experience but still i'm glad i saw it in a theater it's a uh, big screen, big sound. At least that was there. But yeah, I, 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 I totally understand Greg. Like uh, it, it, that, that energy that I'm talking about, I'm, mm. I'm getting that like scrolling through my Twitter feed, seeing reactions of this movie. Like that's as close as I'm going to get. I think with this, un, 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 because like you can't replicate that now. Everybody knows the twist. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's one of those movies. Yeah. I also think that like, you know, since we are all sort of, home and the pandemic still you know raging i think that like our theater is twitter our theater is sort of online presence and you know that doesn't mean that we're all doing you know big group watches or anything like that but which i think you know i think it had its popularity in the beginning of quarantine and it's sort of puttered out um which you know i have no real say in that but i think everyone's reaction on twitter is the person next to you however i don't know like i i i recall like going to the theater uh when the blair witch project came out uh the ring uh how even the grudge and just sort of like riffing off of everyone's fear and uh i would have loved that here um but also just to sort of have everyone embrace the oh shit moments because uh it's, if, if, if people don't know anything about this movie and they don't watch the trailer, uh, it's one of those, like, you're just not really prepared for it. And I hate, like, hyping things up, but I kind of stand by it. Because, I mean, like, when I first watched The Boy, um, I loved the twist. And I thought it was it was weird. It was just, like, uh, something that you just don't often see in modern films. I felt like something that was sort of very, ta- like, tapping into something of the, the mid-80s. Um, but, and, and, and this did that too. And I think it just did it on a much bigger scale. Cause I think the production is very tight and I think that it's very, um, squeaky clean. And I think a lot of people are off put by that because if you go over to like Instagram and you see people talking about this movie, I think it's a lot of Fulci, Lindsay obsessed, like people who love giallos and love like, you know, the, the lurid nature of, of giallos. And they're looking at this and they're probably hearing people use the word giallo for this. And they're thinking like, Oh, well, like that's not apt. Like, you know, fuck this movie. And <laughs> it's, it's a lot of hate on that end, but like, I, you just can't go into this movie holding it to any sort of candle because like, yeah, it might use little bits of, you know, this and that, but like, it's very much its own thing. And that's what I want from horror directors. Like I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be safe, I guess, which, you know, I, I feel like a lot of films nowadays are safe. I mean, I could tap, I could go 
you know, slightly off on how I think a lot of superhero movies are safe. And, you know, I mean, how often do we have the discourse on Twitter about, you know, the necessity of sex scenes and all this? It's just like, ah, come on. Like, like, uh, let's have more Paul Schraders. Like, let's have, like, a James Wan sort of it be weird. You know, I, yeah. I want that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's a good place to say, hey... Uh, that was the, the non-spoiler section. We're entering the spoiler section now. And again, this movie is on HBO Max, or you can see in the theater safely. Uh, if you're not spoiled at this point, um, you know, uh, if you haven't seen the trailer yet, or you haven't read anything on Twitter or, or, or elsewhere, if you don't know what this movie is and you're into horror, check it out and then come back. If you've already seen it, or if you don't care about spoilers, this is it. Um, mm. Okay, I don't even know where to begin. Um, okay, I'll, I'll just say when it happened, and the, I'll, I'll just reiterate the plot again. So this woman um, uh, uh, is pregnant. Madison. She's had miscarriages before. She gets uh, physically abused by her husband. Terrible, terrible scene. And that awakens something in her. Okay. Now at this point, I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know. Again, I don't even know where to start. But. Well, let me ask you, Greg. When the 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 thing happens, when the twist happens, when you see who is Gabriel, the monster that's attacking this woman, and and a whole lot of other people, did you see that coming at all? Like, what exactly Gabriel was? Uh, no, I thought it was gonna be some sort of because I I got a lot of Black Xmas vibes. Uh, the 2006 Glenn Morgan uh, quote unquote remake right. uh, I got a lot of, like, of, of that vibes and so automatically my head is like okay well this leather bound sort of uh, J-horror looking killer is uh, I don't know a, a rejected twin brother or right. someone an actual entity that isn't her unless it was going to go in some sort of very psychological and supernatural uh, way of, of, of her doing this while she sleeps, which is sort of toyed with, but no, I did not die. Okay, well, to be fair, uh, Saturday, my sister sort of spoiled it a bit. She oh, no. <laughs> is a doc- she, she's a doctor, so she used uh, teratoma, I think is the word. I hope I'm using it right, which is the word that they used in the movie. And I, you know, ah. she did it on like, uh, she did it through like an Instagram story. So I saw this word, me not being a doctor, I had no idea what it was. But then she had another um, Instagram slide that was, that says something about it being her brother. So I went into this movie being like, okay, it's spoiled. It's her brother. <laughs> and so I was looking at every angle of being like, all right, okay, so when does the brother come out? And I had no idea that the brother would come out from the back of her head. Yeah, yeah. And that's the you know, thing. And- yeah, oh, I, I, I kind of, I'm kind of, I kind of on the same wavelength as you, Greg. Like I kind of okay. I, I forgot to mention this in the non-spoiler section, but we're in spoilers, so it doesn't matter. It opens with that flashback, and that's insane. All in, all in on on its own, like because like there's mm-hmm. this like child who has these psychic powers it seems like or super strength I don't know what's going on and they're saying we have to cut the cancer out I'm like what the fuck's happening so my assumption was it was gonna go into like sort of like supernatural thing where the cancer mm. itself grew up to be its own person kind of like what you were thinking maybe like it's her brother in some way but I had no idea that shot and it's the it, it's one of the most insane things i've ever seen maybe in a, in a big budget movie <sighs> period when 
the the mother and the sister are watching like the these like uh, tapes and then you 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 turn around and you see this this girl uh the 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 creature coming out of her head with arms like flailing and i'm like that yeah that's <laughs> insane that, that that is what i out loud said in the theater i said what the fuck is going on <laughs> yeah and that's where like you know i think that like the, the hen and lotter comparisons like basket case or yeah. brain damage and i i it totally is an accurate comparison it's just crazy that this is uh a sort of big budget uh you know, wide release versus the very grindhouse nature that um, hand and lauder movies are. But I think the thing that really sealed it was like, yeah, you have this like little tiny sort of uh, cancerous conjoined twin with little tiny, almost like it like had the arms of the aliens from men in black. Yeah. And it was just sort of like came out of her, the back of her head, but it was when she was moving around with this leather trench coat on and you could just see her face. Um, yeah. Annabelle Wallace. And it was just like a dead face, but doing all this crazy contortion shit as if it was, um, whatever the, the creature was from conjuring to, uh, people fell in love with, um, like the tall man. Right. Um, but yeah, that I think was what was unsettling and what sort of made it just, uh, uh, surreal, I guess. Oh yeah, but, yeah uh, no, I, I, I did not see that coming at all. Oh yeah, no, no, no. And um, yeah, like, b- before we before that reveal, you see, like even one of the cops runs into this, you know, murderer creature thing, and that movement. And I think, yeah, I think you even see. Actually, I'm playing the movie in the background, and that that scene's happening where the detective runs into the monster, uh, quote unquote monster. But yeah, you mm. have no idea. Like, oh, that is her. That's the main character. That is like her, uh, uh, uh you know, conjoined twin slash cancer <laughs> thing in the back of her head. Like that's, mm. and you know, you, you notice this movement in this action scene where the detective is chasing this monster. And you're like, why is this running backwards in a weird way? You're like, what? What's going on with this? And then it's all revealed. Yeah, it's her, but just you know, just with a trench coat and moving backwards, which is the the concept of that alone still is like, wow, James Wan, you're you're nuts for this. <laughs> and I'm happy that you pulled this off. You you went from Aquaman to this. So uh, thank you, James Wan. Uh, well, I mean, the thing is, the thing that's crazy is that you know he started with Saw, which. I, I, you know, will gleefully and happily say that it is trashy. Like, I yeah. enjoy Saw, but it's trashy. And this, uh, it's, like, refined trash. Like, it's very slick. But, like, and I'm saying trashy not in, like, you know, uh, poor quality, I guess. But, like, it, it's campy. Um, but this is where I think uh, the camera movements that we talked about really come into play. Um, when it's sort of one big room i think it really works um which leads me to the the jail cell scene oh, which yeah. I, th- I think just because you mentioned sort of the ex um, the exposition like the, the 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 history they gave where they're watching these vhs tapes of her childhood right and in it she uh is She's 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 essentially talking to Gabriel, who is the, so the 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 way, and this is the spoiler segment. The way that they dealt with the cancer was they like cut the arms off, and they essentially pushed it back into her skull, and then stitched it up or something. So yeah. the the so Gabriel is 
is very much, I guess, a part of her, even more so now. And so there's these VHS tapes of, of her talking like on a toy phone to Gabriel. So, you know, in your head, you're like, all right, well, she's seeing something. No, she's just having a conversation with the voice in her head. And it is really unsettling. And then, uh, but and the thing that I love about that is that you have these two uh, characters watching these tapes, sort of realizing slowly what is happening. And then it keeps cutting to um, Madison, Annabelle Wallace's character, uh, in lockup. And there's all these characters. I mean, Zoe Bell's character is named Scorpion, if you need any sort of reference. But it's almost like it turns into a woman in prison film for, like, a hot fucking minute. And there's just all these, like, kind of cliched stereotypes inside this, uh, I guess, like, drunk tank almost. And you just feel this thing building and it's being built through these character interactions and through what you're discovering through these VHS tapes. And I think it's like really masterful, but then the camera work that, you know, I was talking about before it works really well because all hell breaks loose in this jail cell and she starts, or like he, I guess, Gabriel comes out and starts just, massacring everyone and the camera's moving around this big space and it's working and I think it really works also in relation to the biggest I think downfall of this movie in a way is the CGI blood like I am I'm not I I do love practical effects I like you know real blood Um, I like real fires which is why my biggest complaint for Cronenberg's Maps of the Stars is that final CGI fire, it's so fucking terrible. And I do think that, like, it can totally pull you out of of it. And there's a lot of CGI blood in this. And it doesn't work a lot when it's just, like, a stagnant shot. Um, But in this instance, it's moving so well that, like, the CGI blood sort of, it's not distracting. But this jail cell scene is just, like, uh, it's just insane. And it's just, like, you could just, like, feel your adrenaline start to pump and you're just like kind of laughing because it's just uh, absurd. Yeah, absolutely. And then you think that'd be it, but then Gabriel, the monster, moves into the actual police station and uh, mm-hmm. murders a oh, bunch of cops too. Yeah. And that was like also, <laughs> that had its <laughs> moments. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean that, especially, I mean it used like, you know, some red lights, but like, yeah, it felt very evocative of Terminator where he just yeah. comes back and he just slaughters everybody. But I don't know. I mean, you have Gabriel in the beginning kill the abusive husband. You have Gabriel killing all these cops. And yeah, I mean, I, like, how could you not be giddy? Like, you're just watching <laughs> shit unfold and you're just like, all right, I think James Wan gets it. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, oh, and, and to your point, like, um, I love Saw. Like, but I completely mm. understand your point you made earlier. Like, um, it's quote unquote trash. And I feel, I felt that watching this. I felt, oh yeah, the the same guy who made Saw also made this because one thing I loved for sure in a way that uh, love, I think, no, love is the right word. The music mm. in this. Very like, 
uh, like early two thousands, like uh, what's 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 the phrase, Greg, that I'm going for? Like I, I don't even know. It, but it just felt like oh, the same dude who made Saul back in like what two thousand three. Uh, yeah, I can see him making this in two thousand twenty one. Because uh, even the song choices felt very much like oh, this is James Wan. Yeah, and I mean, this is uh, Joseph Bashara, and he did uh, pretty much everything that James Wan has done. Um, he did VHS Viral. Um, he did The Prodigy, so uh, and I love that music. Um, but yeah, I mean, he did Aquaman. So, I mean, this is like a, a composer who is sort of tapped into uh, mostly horror, but, you know, doing Aquaman. It's And you can sort of feel that flex. Like, there is sort of like... Um, a bombastic nature to the music and like it, it, it swells. And, uh, I, I think it's like a really great marriage between the camera work and what you're hearing and what you're seeing. And I, cause at first I remember reading, I think waxwork records cause they released it on vinyl. Like they said something about it being like an atypical sort of score. And I, when it first started to go, I was like, ah, I don't know, like, how atypical is this? Like, it feels very synth-driven, just like, you know, sort of what most horror films nowadays are. But, yeah, it starts to do really, like, unique things, and then there's, like, specific needle drops. But I couldn't tell throughout most of it if it was taking the Where Is My Mind riff from the Pixies <laughs> and sort of, like, using it, because it felt like it was building off of this one basic template, and then going from there yeah i think it's that song in particular at certain moments where it felt unexpected like there's that Mm. one moment when um who is it madison reveals that she's adopted and then you you cut to the sister's reaction and then that cover of um where's my mind hits and i'm like wow that is odd but also good <laughs> but yeah. moments like that like make me like this movie and make me think oh James Wan is just maybe just a weirdo who who I think is aiming for that campiness and I think uses that music to you know further that point um, like in case you didn't mm-hmm. know this this movie is not like your standard I guess you know uh, horror movie I guess in, in a way it's more it's it's more uh, I was gonna say alive maybe that's the right word more interesting but uh, yeah he uses like everything in his disposal you know the music the camera uh, everything um, but yeah <laughs> that's 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 as much as I want to say uh, Greg do you have any final thoughts on Malignant um, I think it's a movie that uh, people shouldn't hold it to uh, any sort of standard, I guess, or hold it to, you know, like, don't look at it as a homage to this or that. Like, it just, like, I mean... <laughs> I have an issue with a lot of films nowadays not looking great. Like I'm not fully on board with digital. Um, I kind of miss 35 millimeter. Um, there is a way of shooting digital, you know, like Michael Mann might shoot it or like you can get texture and grain. Um, this doesn't necessarily have it. I think there's some like really great, um, and I'll say Baba S just in the way that like a house sort of glows against, you know, uh, dimly lit trees and like this really beautiful moon. Like there's something uh, digitally painter like 
about a lot of the shots. Uh, but, you know, I'll always be somebody who, you know, would prefer matte paintings or uh, actual sets. Um, and this has a mix of that. Um, however, if this is what movies, horror movies, are going to look like moving forward or what a movie in 2021 is going to look like, then I'm all for it because, like, I just want more of this. Like, I... I I, I could overlook my own sort of stipulations with or gripes about modern filmmaking if it's doing its own thing. And, like, you know, in the day and age of, like, superhero films and IPs being reused and, you know, sequels, which, you know, it's funny to mention because James Wan has done plenty of sequels, but yeah. I, 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 I want uh, studios to give monies to, to give monies to give money to, to to directors like James Wan or Del Toro or you know it sucks because George Romero could, never could get funding for his movies but I want studios to give these people money because this original content is what we want it is what we need and I think it is what's giving life to um the film industry like okay maybe it's not drawing box office like you know shang chi is because a 90 million i think in four days what that movie made is crazy like that's you know amazing and it's just going to be get more superhero films but i you know don't want the this being on streaming or being watched at home and to you know have i mean it's going to have an effect on numbers but i think that we hold those numbers too high like we we're in a pandemic uh things are just very uncertain and we're not really sure how to like look at i guess the viewership but like i want more stuff like this in theaters like i want people to start selling out friday saturday opening nights so we can get the like reclaim that energy because it is something that i sort of miss and long for because i was talking to my partner about you know the early 2000s about looking forward to like the lord of the rings like the matrix movies kill bill sequels spider-man 2 like you were like you were pumped for these and i just don't feel that anymore but i feel that with little with like individual titles like this where it's just like sort of a passion project like let these directors who should have earned your confidence years ago like let them let them explode like we sh you know we should have faith and trust in them and like what we're only doing that if they bring a billion dollars from a superhero film like okay but like let's do that before you know yeah i'm, I'm totally with you and in in this time in this still we're in this pandemic era um that's mm -hmm. why i'm excited about uh, a movie like this like i'm with you like uh mm -hmm. it's 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 weird that we don't know how successful it is really um because like i mean is hbo ever gonna release their streaming numbers probably not but the fact mm -hmm. that i've seen so many people like they've seen it they've reacted uh they've they've uh, well I, I guess the good people have reacted mostly positive um <laughs> like it just feels like as as close to something like an event that like I've I've missed like I kind of wish yes this was uh, just theater only and we would have you know we we would have all gone you know opening weekend to see this but but now like it's I feel like if we have more eyes on it if maybe if we can if I can at least if we can at least get like one or two more people watching this uh, then maybe uh, Warner Brothers maybe everybody will wise up and they go oh people 
really like this kind of stuff. Why don't we make Why don't we make more like uh, original IPs uh, for horror movies? Why not? Mm. But yeah, that's that's exciting anyway. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. I think we co- we covered *Malignant*. Um, Greg, thank you for coming on. Uh, great talk, yeah, of course, as always. Um, before I let you go, uh, plugs. Where can people listening find you online? Um. Real Brew, R-E-E-L Brew. Um, I'm working on something at the moment for um, Neon Splatter. It's sort of like a part of their, like, it's like a mixtape sort of project that they have going. It's like a column. Um, my focus is on, I guess, new metal in early 2000s horror. So essentially you compile um, a 12-song playlist and then you sort of write about it. Um, so my focus is very much on... It starts with, like, The Crow, uh, Demon Knight, and then it goes up to uh, pretty much like House of Wax, sort of, in my opinion, before Jennifer's Body in 2009 took over with, like, the pop-punk sort of heft. Um, and, yeah, I'm just, you know, trying to to write more but other than that you can find my sort of stoned tweets um <laughs> at real brew but yeah all right awesome uh thanks again greg and uh as always thanks for listening folks and hey here's my catchphrase for the end hey i see you at the movies no no say that all right bye <laughs>